0: Hello and welcome to Cyber Tech Talks, a podcast where we bring cybersecurity experts together for a conversation. This episode's guests are Rebecca Taylor, threat intelligence knowledge manager at SecureWorks, and Carla Reffold, COO at Orpheus Cyber. Together they discuss methods of sharing threat intelligence and consider the tweaks we can all make to ensure CTI is more accessible and useful to more people. Rebecca and Carla also discover what the future of threat intelligence might look like. We hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Rebecca, I feel like we could talk about this for more than the 30 minutes that we have for everything. But the different types of cyber threat intelligence and their use cases and who uses them, like this is one of my little passion subjects, because there's so many different people that have use for different bits. And sometimes as well, I think we overlook that um, people who maybe need technical threat intelligence actually really want to see the strategic
0: stuff as well. But
1: what are what are your thoughts on that?
0: So I actually grabbed this really good definition of um, what threat or cyber intelligence is uh, just before this. Um, So threat or cyber intelligence is more than just threat indicators or data points without context. It is actionable information that can guide security strategy and alert organizations to ongoing and emerging threats. And I think that's a really special thing about threat intelligence is that we, A lot of us can access indicators. We could be given a really long list of hashes or IP addresses, but to make it tangible and useful, it is about adding that context and that depth. And I think that is where inclusivity plays its part so that we can make sure that whoever is receiving that information understands it and knows what to do with it based on their own needs and their own differences. That is such a good
1: point because people often say to me like, oh, well, we have a threat feed. And I'm like, That's not threat intelligence. That's just you're just pulling in information, potentially overwhelming your team and maybe not even really being able to pull out the bits that that matter.
0: Yeah, agreed. I think that's that's as well what makes threat intelligence hard sometimes and less accessible is that specifically for your own organisation, it can be hard to decipher what exactly matters to you. Um, so I'm actually doing a separate project at the moment, which is about charity and cybersecurity in the charity sector. And actually, one of the things we found is, is it can be really overwhelming and hard for them to pick out when they don't have the same infrastructure or support as other organisations. Yeah, to really pick out what matters and what will help them and where to put it and what it means. So, yeah, there's a whole piece there on inclusion and I think just better accessibility and support.
1: I really like the idea that threat intelligence could be used for budgets as well. Like, you know, actually, it's a way of storytelling sometimes to go communicate to a senior leadership team. Well, hey, we're not just talking about these nebulous cyber threats that you need to be scared of. But here are attacks that are happening in our sector. This is what they're doing. This is how they're getting in. And this is why it's relevant to us. And hey, this is what we need the money for. So we can go uh, defend against these specific threats that are actually really relevant.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, I totally agree. It's, it can be used for that budgetary conversation, taking it to the board to say, this is actually what's happening. Look at all this research, look at all this intelligence. But it also feeds as well into those proactive exercises where you can see what is truly happening out there, what it actually looks and feels like, what might happen, what it could look like in your own systems. And so, yeah, threat intelligence offers depth in different ways and experience and knowledge in different ways. When I first
1: came into this sector or this part of cybersecurity, I was thinking, how does anyone do anything without threat intelligence? How is it seen as this nice to have when actually this just informs absolutely everything we're doing? Otherwise, you're just boiling the ocean, right? You're just trying to defend against absolutely everything or everything you've heard about without any real context
0: of whether it's relevant to you. Yeah, I totally agree. It's exciting to see how far threat intelligence has come. And in my time in cybersecurity, I think it has evolved a lot from just being lists of indicators to actually more conversation, better and more intelligent research. Broader and greater ways of having access to the information. So I think now more than ever, there's even more conferences and forums and spaces and collaboration areas to talk about threat intelligence and how it applies to you or to your organization. So yeah, it's um it's an exciting space to be a part of. What ways do do you use threat intelligence or have you seen threat intelligence where you are?
1: So we're we're a threat intelligence provider. So we're we're doing a couple of different things. So kind of that traditional thing that you might like think of where we have clients where we provide them threat intelligence that's relevant to them and we're, we're that outsourced part of their team but then we also have threat-led products so actually um, and this I, uh, this I think is something I'm really passionate about too like how do you patch your vulnerabilities well don't just patch it based on a random number let's patch it based on real world intelligence and what's happening uh, and that's something that I think is starting to come into the the industry like you know actually is this important to us and relevant to us because if we're going to have limited resources we need to put them in the
0: right place. And mm. I think where you said about threat feeds earlier it's great if if people are being proactive and they're pulling these threat feeds in and they're reading threat intelligence on a daily basis, but you can get threat intelligence fatigue in the same way you can get alert fatigue in that you're constantly bombarded with all this TI. Maybe it's not applicable to you. Maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe you can't interpret what it means. So yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting space.
1: Yeah. One of the, um, one of the things that I'm still working out is the whole nation state threat and the sophisticated attacks that they will uh, they will deploy. Because I speak to people who say I don't really have anything worth taking. You know, I'm you know people that really are at risk, <laughs> but, um, but don't feel like they are. And then people that are at the other end of the spectrum where actually you probably don't need to worry so much about a nation's attack, but that's what you're defending against. And I think there's just this whole range in between of people who, you know, probably could do with some intelligence around what's relevant to them because they're just cherry picking bits of information out there and then don't really know where to go with that. I don't know if you see the same sort of thing.
0: Yes, yeah, so I would agree. There's a lot of big organizations that are more concerned about nation state, and it does often depend on what's happening or what that organization does. So, again, maybe where they're operating, what kind of information they're keeping, who they maybe represent. But, like you said, I do think there is this behavior of trying to cherry pick and go, oh, yeah, we'll look at that. Ransomware is really big. Let's just focus on that. And they can forget those smaller nuggets, those so smaller gems. Um, that could make quite a big difference to their organization and actually are more relevant to their organization.
1: I've trashed threat feeds a little bit, you know, probably unfairly, that wasn't the intention. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the other thing that, uh, you know, we try really hard to do is get information to the right people, but in the right way, like the right way for them to consume it in a way that actually gets consumed. Like, do you have any little
0: gems or tips on what you do with that? So obviously there's lots of different threat intelligence sources. So there can be botnet emulators, it can come from your IR engagements, it can come from surveillance, from research, lots of different spaces and experiences. But those outputs can come in different forms afterwards. So what we translate it into. So whether it is protecting, detecting, responding, whether it is a threat advisory, whether it is different types of research. I think to try and make it open and accessible to different types of people, You really need to think about the communication. So how it's displayed, how it's accessed, how it's presented. So, for example, I've seen providers now when they're publishing information on their website starting to offer things like dark mode which for some, that might just be a snazzy tool and we like the option to have it in light mode or dark mode. But actually having that functionality appeals to those that are neurodivergent because it can help them concentrate. It draws attention to key information. It can break down that overstimulation. So there's definite tweaks we can all make to, to get that through intelligence to the right people and make it accessible to the right people. But it's going to take effort. And it has to be this open conversation like you and I are having, because I do think there is this fear that sometimes comes with talking about inclusion and maybe getting it wrong. So I think just generally there needs to be a bit of a shift and that conversation where we ask what would make this more accessible to you? What would help you understand it more? Where are you looking? And then we plug those gaps.
1: Because that's relevant to everybody, you know, not just neurodivergent people, but like Everybody consumes information in a different way. You know, if we can be open to that and open to the idea that maybe we got it wrong and we need to change something when somebody gives us some feedback about, hey, this would make it more accessible to me. All right. We didn't know. We'll just make the change. It's not a criticism because I see that a little bit sometimes.
0: Yeah, agreed. It's as I said, it it can just be one of those topics that can be a bit fearful or You just don't want to get it wrong. I don't think anybody purposefully wants someone to feel not included or not part of the conversation. But I think it's maybe that we've progressed down a route and then sometimes it can be hard to come out of that. So yeah, having those open conversations, thinking about reasonable adjustments can make a really big difference on how you can make threat intelligence more inclusive and accessible to those that need it. One really good thing I remember doing in terms of reasonable adjustments that kind of opened this to me was I was working in incident command at the time and I introduced this form That customers would fill out when we started engaging with them. And not only would they pop in details such as their name, pronunciation, time zones, so we could accommodate in that respect, but we also captured reasonable adjustments, which are just small tweaks you can make to the way that you work and correspond with that person. And we had customers or people coming through saying, oh, I'm colorblind. Could you change the way you present this TI or material to me so that I can participate and and be there as part of the conversation the same way as everyone else. Can you do visualizations instead of really lengthy documents? Because I find that easier to process. And this is where threat intelligence, because it can be presented in so many different ways, this is where we can make those small changes and those little gem differences that make it accessible and useful to so many more people. And I think as
1: well, like being comfortable having that conversation, because it's not just about inclusivity, like it is about people, everybody consumes it in a different way. So I feel like sometimes we avoid those conversations because we're scared of getting it wrong and we're scared of saying the wrong thing to the wrong people. But actually, at least for me, when I've reframed it to think that everybody feels this way about how they consume information, I, I, I think that takes some of the fear out of that conversation.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree.
1: Like this is just a part of the threat intelligence process, like asking for feedback, asking for how people want to consume information. Like it's an essential part. And the fact that we can then make that inclusive to more people by making really quite small adjustments to what we do is actually like has a huge impact.
0: Yeah. And I think it's not only about reasonable adjustments. So some other things I've seen in the sector that have worked really well is Threat intelligence isn't just about looking on GitHub or reading intelligence on websites or alerts uh, triggered by indicators. It's actually now going into that space of being more about conferences and public facing presentations. So, I think from an inclusion perspective, and again, making TI accessible, there's more that can be done there. So, recently I've seen one amazing organization actually, it was a Women in Tech conference. And so that women focusing on mothers could attend, they offered free childcare so that people that couldn't get childcare that wanted to be part of it and part of the conversation had an option and could be there if they wanted to be there. Another example I've seen was done by Neurodiversity in Business, and they knew there'd be a higher neurodivergency there as part of that conference. So they offered, I suppose we would call it maybe breakout spaces, catered to the different neurotypes so that people could go there and have that moment, find themselves, find that space where they felt comfortable and then come back into the conference as and when they're ready. So there's a lot more I think that can be done just generally from an inclusion perspective, but obviously with this focusing on TI, there's so much more that can be done just to get that information out there and make sure again, like we said before, that it's getting to the right people and who can then make the right decisions with it.
1: Now, I've always felt that threat intelligence is, from maybe a gender p- point of view, quite inclusive, because it's often an area you can come through from different routes. You don't have to come from a, a technical background. You might have studied history or international relations or something like that. And at least in our company, we have quite a high percentage of, of women as well. So, but I'm not sure if I'm right on that, because sometimes then I look around at who's in those senior roles in uh, in businesses and it. it doesn't tend to have that diversity. Uh, obviously, we're two women talking about threat intelligence here, but like, I don't know yeah. if
0: your perspective is, is the same. Do you feel that way? I would say, so I've been in cybersecurity now for nine years, and it has evolved and it has changed, and there is a different set of people of representation coming through, which is fantastic. I would say maybe in my area, so threat intelligence, cyber intelligence, it is still more male-dominated, which is something I accept and I'm comfortable with, but I guess could be something that other people find challenging. But then I am personally seeing more female representation in leadership roles um, and more opportunities for leadership positions. So my own CEO, Wendy Thomas, she's incredible. She she focuses a lot on development and progression and supporting uh, women in tech. So when you've got role models like that, it, it just helps you see what's possible. And again, there's, I think there's so many more women in tech, women in cyber conferences and support groups, training offerings that just didn't really exist when I first joined cybersecurity. So there is a shift and there is a change, but I still think there's probably quite a long way to go. <laughs> I
1: think cyber threat intelligence is an area where diversity is really important and Sometimes we can have diversity in those characteristics, but perhaps those people have all been trained by the same people or, you know, come through the same route. So actually their thinking isn't diverse. And that's something we really need. If we're looking at, well, what's the motivation behind this country or this threat actor? They're probably very different from us and how we think. So having someone that maybe has grown up in a different country or trained in a different way and thinks in a different way, like I think that's absolutely essential to making this better.
0: So... It's like they say, if the bad guy has representation, whether it be gender, nationality, it's important that we reflect that too in our own teams, in our own TI, in who we work with and what we write about. So we can balance that difference.
1: Yeah, no, exactly that. We uh, we definitely need to have people that think in different ways and, uh, you know, as your, to your points around neurodivergence as well, right? People that understand what questions we might need to ask or what you know what reasonable accommodations someone might
0: need yeah and it's again like you said that's where it's really important we're having those open conversations whether it's with our teams our leadership with our customers with experts in the field so it just becomes more natural and normal and then these accommodations are no longer accommodations it's just part of normal delivery
1: Like, that is such a great point, because I really feel like we're moving in that direction. I'm not sure we're there yet. But when you stop and think about how many people have different life experiences and need slightly different things... Uh, or can benefit from really minor changes like one that always comes to mind for me is you know when we stopped using white and blacklist and we start saying allow a deny list. like it's a really small thing it really makes no difference to me in my day but actually it starts being part of a, a broader culture shift and so uh, you know I think when we can just make that normal it's going to affect so many so many more people.
0: And I think at the time when we did go through that shift, although it was small, people were like, oh, this is different. I've got to remember these new words. I've got to remember to call it this. We've got to change our systems for these new words that we're using and remove the old. But actually now it's normal and it's nothing to be fearful of, but it's made a difference to someone out there. And I think that's why I'm passionate about this topic is because it's it doesn't necessarily impact me or change how I feel. I'm happy I feel like I have a good platform. I feel like I'm in a good space. I feel like I'm represented and I have a voice. But there's people that really don't. And that's why we should be inclusive. And that's why we should practice inclusive behaviours. Because it can just make a difference to one person. But that's more than enough for it to matter. Absolutely.
1: It really is. What do you think, and this is kind of like a big big area for us to discuss as well. But like, what's coming next? Not just from like, well, inclusion, but also threat intelligence in general? Like, where do you think we're going to go as a, as a subset
0: of this industry? So I think like most people, it's kind of not inclusion, but I could see how it could feed in is this whole artificial intelligence side of things. Um, I think that's going to start playing an even bigger part in threat intelligence, whether it is the way that it's represented and it's given to people or whether it's even writing it and making it into content that's deliverable. I can see that playing a huge part in years to come. And I think another big shift is gonna be in how TI is displayed and accessed and presented. So things, I wonder if in the future there'll be sort of an alignment of cyber organizations where there's a new standardization of best practices, inclusivity, wording, all these kinds of things across the whole cyber market. So that we're all aligned.
1: I think that AI point is really interesting because you need, in my opinion, to automate as much of your threat intelligence process as possible to be able to really consume as much information as is out there and is useful and to you know make that more reliable. But to me, that intelligence has a human analysis on it and has, at least for the foreseeable future, you know, that human context is something that I don't know that AI can provide. And I'm not sure if it ever can like, is the point not that you add that human emotion to it so I'm really interested to see where that goes mm,
0: completely it, it is that that personalization and almost a researcher a threat researcher's person can maybe have more of a depth But yeah, I do think there's a lot of hype and excitement about AI at the moment and its potential, uh, maybe combined with a little bit of nervousness as to what it might be capable of. Um, But I do think that as organisations are wanting to get more TI TI out there, but also as more organisations are wanting to ingest it and use it, and are seeing that it's out there and available, whether AI will play its part. Um, I don't know in what way, but it just feels like it's a... hot topic and a hot space where a lot could happen very quickly. Yeah, I I think it
1: does. And for me, I think it's how it then feeds into your other security products as well. Like what products aren't using threat intelligence to display risk or to, uh, you know, change what they suggest that you do or change how their product works. So I think if there's machine learning in any security product, For me, it has to be led by the threat and the threat intelligence. So I think that's a a shift that we're already seeing. But that's something big that I think will need to come over the next few years as well.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. And a big thank you to Rebecca and Carla for sharing their expertise on making cyber threat intelligence more inclusive. We look forward to bringing you more episodes with cyber experts. Make sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on Twitter and LinkedIn for further updates. You can find links in the show notes. This podcast was brought to you by Crest. An international not-for-profit membership body representing the global cybersecurity industry.